Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a message from our current series, The Vow. Wedding vows are more than a declaration of love. They hold the keys to a strong, lasting marriage. Whether you hope to get married someday or you've already tied the knot, discover what the vow can mean for the future. To watch any of our previous messages or find all listening platforms, we encourage you to visit www.valleybrook.cc forward slash on demand. Enjoy. Well, good morning, everyone. On behalf of uh, Valleybrook and the Elder Board, uh, it's my pleasure to introduce our speaker today. Uh, Ed Carroll uh, has been, and his family, Laura Lee and Ben, they've been coming to Valleybrook here for a few years now. And Ed uh, got his seminary degree from Bethel uh, Seminary, um, and he was a pastor in Ellington for a while, but now he's here with us, and uh, he is going to be continuing our series today called The Vow, we're talking about marriage. Uh, Ed and his wife, Lorley, have been married for 40 years. Um, so I am looking forward to his wealth of experience on this topic, and uh, I think it'll be a blessing for all of us. So could you join me in welcoming Ed uh, as our speaker today? Well, Sean spurred something in me when he quoted John 3.16, that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. And that's, that life starts the day we believe. We have eternal life right now. And he wants us to start living that life in, 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 in obedience to him. And that will bring us joy and fulfillment and bring him glory. So let's pray for a minute. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you're allowing me to share your word this morning. Thank you for each day that you've given my wife and I of those 40 years, and I pray that you'd uh, bless these words to the congregation and help us put these words in our hearts and into our lives and into our practice. In Jesus' name, amen. So when I perform a marriage ceremony, these are the vows I use. Husband or wife, I take you to be my wedded wife or husband, to have and to hold from this day forward for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish till death do us part. And here too, I pledge to you my faithfulness. I think these are great vows for establishing a partnership, a lifelong partnership. We're in a four-part series called The Vow, where we're breaking down the vow into four parts. The vow of priority, the vow of pursuit, the vow of partnership, and the vow of purity. This week I'll be tackling the vow of partnership. Laura Lee and I celebrated our 40th anniversary last December. That's a long partnership. God, our partner, has brought us through many trials and many victories along the way. Through all of it, We've learned to trust him. When we got married, we didn't know what we were getting into. I had two small children, four and six years old. So Loralee got to experience the trials of step-parenting long before there were any books about step-parenting or blended families. As a result of those very difficult times, we ended up going to a family counselor. We didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus at that time. 
And the counselor we referred to was a Christian counselor. I went in there with the attitude of, okay, here we are. I'm just fine. I'm doing okay on my own. Everything's great with me, but uh, you need to fix these guys. (laughs) After the first session, I told the counselor, you sound like you know what you're talking about. I think you may be able to help us, but I don't want to hear any more of this God talk. We continued to meet with her through some very, very challenging situations, and she didn't mention God by name very often, but she couldn't help herself. But she did use the Bible a lot in her counseling. I didn't know it was the Bible because I'd never opened a Bible before. She used biblical principles. She would tell me, if you do that, then this is going to happen. And her and I would get into a heated discussion, and I'd tell her, no, you're wrong. This is not going to happen. And then a couple of weeks later, I'd go back and say, oh, you were right. I was wrong. (sighs) One day, after several years of counseling and borderline friendship, we had become friends with this counselor. Laura Lee went into her office and said, you know, our lives have turned around. We're heading in a good direction, and our relationship is getting better, but there's just something missing inside, pointing to her heart. The counselor reached back and took a Bible off the shelf and handed it to Laura Lee and said, try reading this. I was fuming. I was really angry. When I got to the car, I told Laura Lee, if she wanted to read that, it was fine for her, but don't, don't try to shove that thing down my throat. Laura Lee started reading in the beginning. She was excited. She said it read just like a book. It was a story. It grabbed her attention, and she kept on reading. I kept on telling her, don't preach to me and don't try to get me to read that. Then it happened. One day, God struck me with the flu. I couldn't move. I was lying there sick, really sick, lying on the pullout couch in a spare bedroom, and she was leaving for work. She had made photocopies, believe it or not, of the book of Job to bring to work and share with one of her coworkers. She tossed a copy on the bed and said, if you get bored, try reading this. After she left, I picked it up and started to read the book of Job. I couldn't put it down. I understood it. It spoke to my heart, and I could tell it was the truth. See, after all those years of experience, the counselor counseling me by the word of God without telling me, and and going back into her office and saying, you were right. It was the word of God that was right all along. I found her Bible, Lorley's Bible. I started reading. I was hooked. We went back to the counselor. I was full of questions. She invited us to go to her church. It was a tiny little church plant that met in an old firehouse. They called it the Fire Barn in Sturbridge. There were about 30 to 35 people that attended there, and we showed up early for Sunday school. The pastor was teaching from the Bible in Sunday school. I was understanding every word he was saying, and I was tracking right along with it. I had never experienced somebody something like that. Later in the service, he was teaching right from the Bible too. I had never experienced anyone reading from the Bible, explaining what it meant, and then lining it up what was happening in my life. That was Valentine's Day, 1993. The pastor was, by, by, by coincidence, he was a, a painting and wallpapering on, his, on Mondays, his day off to make ends meet. I was a professional painter and wallpaperer. We started meeting for breakfast, and he was teaching me how to read and study the Bible. 
while I taught him a few tricks of the trade. Laura Lee and I received Christ and we were baptized. I turned from couch potato to Bible student and Christian book enthusiast. The more I read the Bible, the more I knew that I was the one that needed to change and God was the only one who could change me. We needed God to be part of the partnership that we had. With this as a background, let's turn to the scripture for guidance on the vow of partnership in marriage. Ephesians 5, 21 to 33. I have it written in my notes, but I like to read it right from, right from the page. Just so you know, I'm not making this up. Mm-hmm. Ephesians 5, verse 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the Lord is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, with which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds it and cares for it, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must love his wife and as as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. I know that in today's culture, that word submit can be very offensive. However, I'm gonna try to explain how they, that, that those words helped Laura Lee and I to a better, more God-honoring marriage. So I looked up the word submit in my big, exhaustive concordance, and after, it, it shows every word in the scripture, every a, the, and, but, every word, and after every word, it shows what the Greek word was that, that made them put that word in the scripture. So I discovered that the word submit in verse 20 is the Greek hypotasso, Then I saw that the word submit in the verses 21 and 24 said N-I-G, not in Greek. So somebody just put those kind of words right in, that's the word submit, which follows from verse 20. So they just stuck it in there in verses 21 and 24, submit. So I feel a little bit of freedom to use other words here besides submit. Paul is comparing the marriage relationship to Jesus' relationship with the church and he does it throughout this whole passage. This, the relationship of husband and wife is just like Jesus and the church. When you think of Christ and the church, what comes to mind? Christ laid down his life for the church. Christ shows infinite grace to the church. Jesus is the head of the church and the church is his body. The church responds to the love of Christ. What does Jesus' love look like? Here we go, men, listen carefully. Jesus is patient, Jesus is kind, he does not envy, he does not boast, he's not proud, he's not rude, 
He's not self-seeking. He's not easily angered. He keeps no record of wrongs. He does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. He always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Jesus never fails. How's that sound, men? We can do that, right? Some, <laughs> some of the terms I would use instead of submit are wives, come under the protection and provision of your loving husbands. Here's my favorite. Wives, join together with your husbands in order to do the will of the Father and bring glory to the Father. The men are hearing this and they're, they're saying that's impossible. And I agree, it is. But God, my favorite two words in the Bible, but God, he is our partner. Paul is saying in verse 32 that the partnership of the husband and wife is a picture of Christ and the church. It all sounds so spiritual and wonderful and out of reach. So let's get practical. Now I'm going to put in some plugs for my, the class that Laura Lee and I are, are doing called Love and Respect. These are the foundational verses, this passage for the, for the class we're doing called Love and Respect by Emerson Egrich's. Dr. Egrich's calls verse 34 the most important statement on marriage in the Bible, God's last word on marriage, the summary statement of the marriage passage. Verse 34 says, however, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. The primary need of the wife is the love of her husband. She needs the love of her husband like she needs air to breathe. When he treats her in an unloving way, it's like he's standing on her air hose. Her spirit deflates. The primary need of the husband is to respect his wife. He needs her respect like he needs air to breathe. When she treats him with disrespect, it's like she's standing on his air hose and his spirit deflates. This verse is not offering suggestions. It's issuing commands. In order to have an effective partnership that looks like Christ and the church, love and respect, these two are essential characteristics the husband and wife must display. Women aren't commanded to love because love comes naturally to them. They can't help themselves. That's what they do. When you ask a husband if his wife loves him, he says, oh, yeah, sure, absolutely. But if you ask the same guy if, she, if his wife likes him, you might say, hmm, not today. And love does not come naturally to a man like it does to a woman. It is not in his nature, but he has, naturally has a respect gene. He knows how to speak to other men, not to offend them or provoke them to anger. Men and women are different, equal but different. Men see through blue-colored glasses, hear through blue-colored hearing aids, and speak through blue-colored megaphones. On the other hand, women see through pink-colored glasses, hear through pink-colored hearing aids, and speak through pink-colored megaphones. Dr. Egrich's gives an example of men and women saying the exact same sentence, meaning two different things. When a woman says, I have nothing to wear, she means I have nothing new to wear. But when a man says, I have nothing to wear, he means I have nothing clean to wear. Same words, different meaning. Neither one is wrong, just different. Pink is not wrong because it's not blue, and blue is not wrong because it's not pink. Not wrong, just different. When we get into disagreements, this difference in what we say and what we mean 
gets amplified and things can really escalate. We get off the track and the husband says something unloving, then the wife naturally responds with something disrespectful. Or the wife says something disrespectful and, then, and the husband naturally responds with something unloving. Then the responses just start to flow and the crazy cycle starts to spin. The man can't believe what they said could possibly offend their wives. It wouldn't offend them if their wife said it to them, pink and blue. Likewise, the wife can't believe what she said could possibly offend their husband. They were only trying to connect and create a bond with their husband. He's acting like a baby and making everything about himself. Pink and blue are different. Not wrong, just different. Early in my walk with Jesus, Lorley and I had a significant disagreement. I was right and she was wrong as far as I was concerned. I wasn't backing down. I was going to teach her a lesson. I went to sleep angry and woke up feeling justified and entitled to what I thought was my righteous anger. I opened my Bible. Like I said, I I loved to read the Bible. When I first came to know Jesus, I put the TV away. I put everything away. I started reading the Bible all the time. I opened my Bible and started to read right where I had left off the previous day. Philippians chapter 2. If any of you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, here I am steaming away, telling uh, telling God I'm going to teach her a lesson, this and that. Here's what God said to me. If any of you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship with the Spirit, any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. So God put his finger right there on me. When I started reading the Bible, I read it a lot, more than a chapter a day. So if I got up that morning to that passage, the Ephesians 5 marriage passage is on the previous page. So I got up, I, had, I, <laughs> I got up and read that passage after, the same day I got so angry at my wife, I just read this Ephesians passage that I'm supposed to be like Jesus to my wife. God has a way of humbling us and convicting us. I had to go and wake up Laura Lee and share what I had just read, and I had to apologize. I still think I was right. But the issue was not the issue anymore. God doesn't care if I was right. Do you want to be right, or do you want to have a relationship? Repeat. If you're writing down this down, write this, this down if you're writing anything down. Do you want to be right or do you want to have a relationship? 
The goal of the partnership of marriage in marriage is Christ and the church. Pink plus blue equals purple, the color of royalty, King Jesus. Neither of them lose their pinkness or their blueness. They still need to bring their own identity into the marriage, their own gifts, and blend them together to let the world see what Jesus looks like. On the other hand, when he speaks love to his wife, she is likely to respond with respect. When she speaks respect to her husband, he is likely to respond with love. This is called the energizing cycle, as opposed to the crazy cycle before, when they're misunderstanding each other. One speaks disrespect, one speaks unlove. This one here, one speaks respect, one speaks love, and it's called the energizing cycle. When two people the Lord has put together to display his likeness start acting with love and respect, there's no limit to the joy that partnership can experience. I said joy. Through good times and bad, no matter how bad, when there's love and respect, there can be the joy of the Lord. Rarely, one partner can be doing almost everything they can to be loving or respectful, and their spouse just doesn't respond. That's not the time to throw in the towel. God still commands us to be loving or respectful. God sees, and he'll reward you for being obedient to him. This is called the rewarded cycle. Back to scripture, Philippians 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. I was reading a a secular book on management, and they gave this illustration of how to be an effective leader. One night, a couple was lying in bed. Both were sleeping soundly. They had a brand newborn baby who woke up and started crying. Listen, listen, Harrison. The husband wakes up first. And his first thought is, I should get up and take care of the baby and let my wife get a rest. He lays there for a minute. And his second thought is, I work hard all day. I need my rest. She can get up and take care of the baby. When she doesn't get up, he starts thinking, she is so selfish. Doesn't she know I have to get up and go to work in the morning? I can't believe she doesn't care a thing about me. And so on and on. Well, let's go back to his first thought. I should get up and take care of the baby and let her rest. What if he just does it? His wife would probably feel loved and cared for and supported. He would probably feel pretty good about himself and all those negative thoughts that followed from, from him not responding to the first thought, which I will call a prompting of the Holy Spirit, that would never happen. When we aren't obedient to those promptings of the Holy Spirit, it opens the door for the enemy to start saying negative things about our spouse, things that aren't true. We are married to goodwill people. They want the best for us. They don't get up in the morning and try to figure out ways to aggravate us, believe it or not, ladies. (laughs) This illustration to me is a great way to run a partnership. If we see something he's doing, just do it. When we do it, that leads to what Philippians 4, 8 says. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, 
If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things, because those things are true about your husband or your wife. Then there's no such, uh, there's no opening for thoughts from the enemy. We can be in our peaceful partnership. There's a lot more to love and respect that I can't share because I don't have the time. He actually goes into ways to show your wife love. He actually goes into ways to show your husband's respect. He shows you how to get off the crazy cycle, how to get on that energizing cycle, and how to persevere. So I can't share all that. Here's Partnership in marriage is very hard work. It takes a ton of humility. It takes knowing God and submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. You know, I shared the opening story about how I came to know Jesus because Lorley and I fought our way through the first nine years of our marriage without him. And when I finally, when I finally submitted my life to Jesus Christ, things changed. When Jesus Christ became our partner in marriage, it turned everything around. There was no escape, there's no escape hatch anymore, no side door, no exit stage left. I was gonna be here. And like I said in the beginning, eternal life starts now. And it's eternal life that's supplied by Jesus means a, a joyful, not easy, fulfilling, not simple, and a, a, a life that he wants for us. He wants us to be joyful. He wants us to be happy. He wants us to experience our wives or our husbands are his gift to each of us. It's a gift. Every good and perfect gift comes down from above. He doesn't change. So I'm going to close with a thought, with a, with a poem. It's called Marriage by Ruth Har- Harms Calkin. It's marriage. It's rough. It's tough. It's work. Anybody who says it isn't has never been married. Marriage has far bigger problems than toothpaste squeezed from the middle of the tube. Marriage means grappling, aching, struggling. It means putting up with personality weaknesses, accepting criticism and giving each other the freedom to fail. It means sharing deep feelings about fear and rejection. It means turning self-pity into laughter and taking a walk to gain control. Marriage means gentleness and joy toughness and fortitude, fairness and forgiveness, and a walloping amount of sacrifice. Marriage means learning to say nothing, when to keep talking, when to push a little, and when to back off. It means acknowledging, I can't be God to you. I need him too. Marriage means you are the other part of me, I am the other part of you. We'll work through with never a thought of walking out. Marriage means two imperfect mates building permanently, giving totally, in partnership with a perfect God. Marriage, my love, means us. So Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Paul's words to us about marriage and how the husband and wife in partnership is a picture of Jesus Christ in the church. I thank you for Dr. Egrich's teaching about the differences between men and women and the grace that we both need from each other. 
thank you for uh, allowing me to, to speak this morning and, and talk about that. And I know there's somebody here that doesn't know you, Lord, just like I didn't know you and was struggling and fighting so hard to live my life and thought I was doing a great job. And all of a sudden, you showed me that there's a better way. So I pray that if you're showing somebody that better way right now, I pray that, that they would pray to, to uh, acknowledge you and ask you to be their Savior. Lord, I know I need you. I've been struggling with this life of mine and fighting hard. But you show us that life is not supposed to be a fight. Life is supposed to be one lived in you with your help and your grace. So I pray that you'd come into my heart right now. Forgive my sins. Show me how to live the way you, you intended. Thank you, Lord. And if you prayed that prayer, just let somebody know. Let one of the leaders of the church know they all have uh, lanyards on with their name and they're here to serve. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that Paul showed us these, these words. Paul revealed your truth to us that we're supposed to look like Christ in the church, in our marriage. I pray that you'd um, help the husbands to take this to heart for themselves. I pray that you'll help the wives to take this to heart on the, uh, for themselves. And I pray that you would walk with us each day through this uh, wonderful experience you've given us called marriage. In Jesus' name, amen.